from GreenBiz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from GreenBiz events. I'm Joel McCower. Even though we've been working, you know, a very long time to design our products such that they can be taken apart at end of life and all of the, the materials, careful material choices that we make and the deep chemistry work that we do and life cycle assessments, all that, um, designing for a circular economy is still different. Angela Nahikian is Director of Global Sustainability at Steelcase. She spoke in conversation with Dan Dix, Steelcase's Director of Global End-of-Use Services, and me at the GreenBiz Conference in February 2017, about designing products and services for the circular economy. Let's listen in. Among the many exciting things that go on in the world of sustainable business, the incredibly inspiring, impactful, uh, hopeful innovations, technologies and memes that we've been talking about for the past few days, there is none for me that is, feels more important than this notion of a circular economy. Um, and we talk a lot about it and, and as if we all understand what it is, and some, some do and some don't, and we're all sort of trying to figure that out. But at its core, the circular economy is what sustainable business should be about, which is about systems thinking, radical efficiency, uh, busting through silos, innovation, uh, and, and ultimately uh, improving lives and moving the needle and not specifically about incremental efficiency improvements, although that certainly can be part of that. And, and in the conversations, in the many companies, uh, we had a lunch yesterday and we had about 20 people and you know, sort of go around the room, introduce yourself, and what's the conversation about circular economy? About almost all 20 companies had some conversation that was taking place. And of all those conversations in and out of that room and in this room and elsewhere, there's really none that's fascinated me more than that steel case. And, and I wanted to talk a little bit about that with, with uh, I don't even know I was back there. What's if, your if, name? If, if, <laughs> did John, yeah, did John, whatever, did John introduce Angela Nahikian and, and Dan Dix, uh, the Global Sustainability Director and the Director, the Director of End Use Services at Steelcase? If he didn't, here they are. Uh, and to talk about this vision that they have, because it truly is, while it's early days, only seven years in the making early days, it is, I think, a great example of what happens if we get this right. So first of all, Angela, give us the vision of sort of what you've been talking about and what you see as this, what's possible? Well, I think, I think for me, it's really exciting. You know, as a sustainability professional working for a really long time, um, trying to move the needle, I think it's uh, like many of you, um, this is, this, these are great times. And I think that for us, sustainability um, has been a really good trip, but it's gonna get more exciting from here. And I think circular economy, we really think about it as a manifestation of our purpose. And I know that might sound really big, but you know, a lot of folks might think about us as a furniture company, right? And we're really a people company. And everything that we do is to advantage people, to really help them unlock their promise. And so this is about delivering on that. And I think that like many of us who operate predominantly in today's economy, today's linear economy, you know, we're delivering, uh, we're doing a lot of research, we're delivering a lot of great things to the market, and we've got customers in the center of that development. 
But the one thing that we don't often do is participate actively in the life cycle of the products and environments, in our case environments, that we help to create. And, you know, they, they move into these environments and they start working and, you know, there are changes that need to be made and changes that happen in their business. And they come to, we, we like to think about it as, you know, sort of this end of need point uh, you know, end of use point, and far beyond that is the end of life for the things that we make and that people use. And so, how could we bring a lot more value to that? How could we, through maybe technology integration, um, through different kinds of business models, really, really get into that life cycle and really deliver on that purpose that we're aspiring to. So that's how it connects. So in some ways, this sounds like what you've always done in that yeah. you've, you, you sell or I guess sell furniture and maybe a service contract. You have an arrangement with a, a company who needs stuff and you bring it in and it's, 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 you help figure out what people need to be most effective in their jobs. And at some point they need new stuff, more stuff, different stuff. Um, how, how does this change this? What, what's different here um, beyond, and, and you've been doing cradle-to-cradle -cradle design, a lot of your products yep. have been certified the by the Cradle-to-Cradle mm -hmm. cradle Institute. So how is this truly different and transformative? Well, I think this is different in that um, maybe we have a different relationship with the customer in their life cycle, in their use cycle. You know, we might be, instead of, um, you know, dropping things <laughs> into, the, into the place, uh, we, we might be monitoring use patterns. We might be um, monitoring, monitoring performance, well-being, um, you know, collaboration, and those, those really critical pieces of the business engine, right? And we might be able to offer suggestions about how those might change and collaborate with these businesses, with our clients, to optimize those environments so it becomes more performance-based than transaction-based and we can move things in and out we can change things and I think for us you know I, I think our CEO says you know if if we do everything right and we really make great decisions and the client makes great decisions you know to assume that we're gonna get it hundred percent right day one is really um, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of an ego position because that's not likely to happen so, so this is about accommodating that change and optimizing that environment to truly do what we hope Let's to get do. this down to the, to the customer value proposition. It sounds like what we're talking about here is that rather than selling furniture, you're going to be uh, furnishing office that is going to over time change, grow, shrink, move, do any number of things. And, and it's going to be your furniture that you're going to be putting there and they get to use it through some subscription or mm -hmm. kind of agreement and then you and then because it's yours you're going to want to make sure that it's designed in a certain way that it can be have a circular life yeah and that and that we're we're designing real time but i guess i would clarify that by saying you know i, I think that for a long time we'll be selling uh, but i think increasingly customers are more and more interested in what we might be able to offer in terms of use. I mean, they're already asking, you know, could we, uh, you know, could we have um, a pay-for-use model? Mm -hmm. You know, because we have so much change going on that it's, it's, it's something that we want to look at. So you're going from uh, product to service, which is your area. Uh, Dan, what, how did you get into this? Because this is, as I understand the timeline, this goes back to around 2010. 2010, 
circular economy was not a thing. I don't remember when the Ellen MacArthur Foundation came in. I think it's more like 2013 or ish. Uh, and so this was predated that. So how, how did that conversation get going? Where did it come from within the company that it even got to this, uh, what eventually became the circular economy? Yeah, I think uh, we attribute it back to our CEO at the time. Um, we were embarking on our 100th year anniversary uh, celebration and- You look we, great, by the way. <laughs> we, and our CEO, we were uh, also f sort of finalizing, getting to the end of some sustainability goals that we were at. And he asked us to think about, you know, what's that next challenge? What's that big audacious goal that we have for sustainability? And you would have thought that that would have just been a challenge to Angela and her team in global sustainability. But he asked strategy, I was in corporate strategy at the time, to be engaged in that. So I think it was sort of a foreshadowing on his part, a forcing mechanism to, to make this more of a business conversation than just a sustainability conversation. So it evolved eventually into a CE vision but that route or that journey just started out with a, a sustainability goal in mind. Along the way, we stumbled upon Ellen MacArthur Foundation and thinking about it in a circular fashion. And I think that opened up a lot of doors for us in, in our thinking and our vision. So that's how I got involved with it. And so you're, you're, you're the global end of use services. Kind of rolls off your tongue, right? Sure, director. <laughs> we're, still, we're still working on it. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, your design firm, not a branding firm, so I get that. Uh, what, what, this is obviously going to impact what you do because you're now potentially creating uh, a service where a product used to be. How does this, how do you, are you, is that what's going on? Is that what you're thinking about? Is that where you come into this? Yeah, great question. So I think the, the coolest part is that um, I had the opportunity to work from a corporate strategy standpoint on this issue, this problem, this opportunity for several years with Angela and team. And then I sort of raised my hand when it came time to develop, globalize, scale one of the components of the circular economy vision that we're looking at. And um, now I have that opportunity to go, you know, kind of run that business and build it. And I, I think the message from a circular economy standpoint that I would share with the audience is you can't do the entire thing. It's, not, it's like kind of an eating an elephant, right? So you have to pick what's important to you, and we picked one component that we're going to build off of from there. The eating the elephant metaphor is how do you do it one bite at a time? Yeah, one bite at a time. And you know, I think you mentioned yesterday the lunch we had when we had 15 or 20 people going around the room. Everybody in that room picked a different component of circular economy that they were that they were impassionate about and that was important to them. Some were the end of, end of pipe where they were taking the product and mm -hmm. giving it some adaptive reuse or, or dematerial. Some were at the beginning, were at the design phase. Um, and, and I think that's interesting, uh, Angela, because when you start to look at this, you can say, okay, we're going to turn a product into a service. Sounds simple enough. But what you're really talking about is that goes to how do you, what is the product? How does it design? What are the materials? Uh, how is it man, how is it literally put together so it can be unput together? I think that's the technical term <laughs> correctly. Uh, and you know where, where do you source those and and who can do that labor? I mean it gets really complicated. It gets very complicated, and I do think that you know if if some of the early business models that we're looking at, like you know handling uh, a need that every customer has, which is you know what do I do with my stuff. Um, I, I think if that's, that's really the 
the door we're walking through into the circular economy and products are definitely the engine. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to think about it. And even though we've been working, you know, a very long time to design our products such that they can be taken apart at end of life and all of the, the materials, careful material choices that we make and the deep chemistry work that we do and life cycle assessments, all that, um, designing for a circular economy is still different. You know, it's not necessarily just designing for disassembly, it's designing for disassembly and remanufacturing and reassembly. And we're just starting to understand how close are those things? Are they the same in some cases or are they, you know, is, does that still work or are they vastly different? And, and I think it's probably both uh, in some cases vastly different. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're really trying to rejigger our design principles. But yeah, it touches everything and I think reverse logistics and different kinds of partnerships that, you know, Dan and I are having conversations with people about. Um, it, is, it is a very entrepreneurial kind of gig. How big of an opportunity is this gig? I mean, is this, is this an incremental new business that you know, could be as big as one of your you know, good product lines? Is it, is it bigger? Well, I think anybody that you talk to, and if you go out and do some of the reading of the, the studies and scaling, um, you know, it's multiples bigger. Um, so, you know, if multiples it's, of it, it for us, we've done some early sketches, and I mean, we'll find out, right? I mean, we don't know. This is this is sketches, and I, I want to emphasize that. But um, this could this could theoretically double the size of our company Your in terms billion of revenue. Yes. Yeah. And and each of these opportunities has to be fit and knitted and stitched. It was a, a word I heard earlier um, this week. You know, stitched together with competencies that we have and investments that need to be made. But, but really, a lot of it is inventorying what you already do in terms of capabilities and figuring out where the gaps are and stitching this together. At least that's been our experience. But yeah, it does. It touches everything. Um, operations is going to be heavy in the work that Dan does. And that's why this business is organized under our operations, our global operations. I just want to pause and, and repeat that, that you, you're a $3 billion company, and you see this, this new business model, the circular economy, it's based on a circular economy, uh, principles and, and designs that could be as big as your current business. Yeah, the sketches tell us that it, it could be that big, oh. yes. Um, and so does that mean it's getting the support it needs internally, that uh, if it really has that kind of potential? You know, I think I think it's it's a migration strategy, right? Um, we've got to, even though that the scale could be that that significant, I mean, each one of these businesses has to stand alone and connect to the next. And the great thing about Dan uh, taking on this role and agreeing to do it is um, because he's worked developing the strategy, uh, he and I have been so, you know, this is, this is a seven-year relationship that we have right today. And the, that he understands how what he's building has to evolve with each of the subsequent businesses we might add, yeah. um, whether it's remanufacturing or subscription or other things. Um, that means something different for this base, you know, uh, business and, and scaling of capability that yeah. he's doing. I want to get to a question in a minute, but is, is, does the pace of change frustrate you? I mean, that's a lot. You're, you are seven years into this and you're getting close to, I think if I'm getting this right, you're getting close to having a pilot version that you can then scale into an actual market offering. Uh, that's a long, long road to hope. 
Yeah, you know, I think um, because of all the research, discovery, and things that we had to do, you know, I don't think we could have compressed it. Um, now it's just a matter of how do we take it a little bit at a time using like lean startup methodology and, you know, ask for resources as we go along. So it's not a big bet, it's not a big investment that we're asking for. Um, but, Financially. But, but yeah. proof points along the way that enable us to incrementally ask for resources and uh, go about it that way. So I think that enables us uh, the right runway, if you will. And uh, so it, I'm not bothered by the pace yet, but I think uh, time will tell. Right? Patient, man, woman. Elaine, let's take in a question. Yes. Um, so transitioning to a completely new circular economy-based model is it seems really hard given what you've done so far. Um, what are some of your biggest lessons learned so far? Like what is your advice for others um, who are just starting this journey or interested in this journey? Besides patience. Well, yeah, and tenacity and resilience and agility and all those things. <laughs> Um, we've learned a ton. Um, I, would, I would say um, we've learned a ton about how to do it in one company. And I would say, you know, all of those things are really important. Um, engage lots of people and learn from them. Um, and I was reminded, uh, and, and the supplies here, you know, know who your, you know, treasury, or know your treasury organization, uh, know your strategy organization, um, get really close with your new business innovation. And Rob can't be here with us today, he's on our way home, but He's, he's, a, he's a sort of the third leg in the three-legged stool. Um, he, he is, you know, he faces some of the same challenges that we all face in this room, which is, you know, uh, innovation touches everything, and he's our new business innovation leader. And I would say, um, you know, spend the time up front. Really think it through. And that's why I think maybe we're more patient now. Now's the time we start quick-stepping um, because we've thought about it and we thought deeply about it, and we understand where the hurdles are, and we have some understanding of sequencing, you know, what needs to come first, second, and third, what probably requires the deep investments, uh, but maybe not, uh, you know, the, the early wins. So I guess I would say that, you know, um, just really, really socialize it in your company and really connect with your purpose. I think that's key. And you're, I'm sure you're learning from other companies in this room, many of whom are your customers. Yeah. You've got to find some advocates, internally and externally. It's yeah. a giant support group. <laughs> and eventually you've got to find someone to own it, and that's a whole other yeah. piece of this. I mean, uh, we're kind of out of time, but I just want to say that um, what's, there's so many things exciting about this in terms of its potential, and, but what's really kind of exciting, and I, and I really commend you uh, for the courage to get up and talk about something that's not fully baked, that's not uh, yet a, a success, may not be, you know, I hope it is, of course, but you don't know where it's going, and to, and to be able to showcase and discuss something midstream, in process, that is not something that many companies are able to do, and the fact that uh, through this, the support of, of your terrific CEO, Jim Keen, and um, that he it supports this so fully that you are out there, you know, with that. We talked a lot about courage this week. I think that is a courageous thing to do, and I really appreciate that. And I'd love you to help me in thanking Dan and Angela. You've been listening to Angela Nahikian and Dan Dix of Steelcase in conversation at the GreenBiz 17 conference. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into GreenBiz 350, our weekly podcast covering the news 
and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. For all of us here at Green Biz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening.